You know how we all have that one friend or that one person that we go to when we're having a specific problem because you know that they are going to have the answer and the experience to help you resolve that problem faster than you could ever do so on your own? Well, that is exactly why I agreed to become the editor of Homestead Living Magazine because I know that I have certain friends like Carolyn Thomas from Homesteading Family that when I am dealing with an issue, I can just pick up the phone and give Carolyn a call. But even though Carolyn and I both know a lot about homesteading, there's things that even neither she nor I know. So I banded together all of my homesteading peers and I'm the editor of Homestead Living Magazine. Now, some of you have already gotten your copy, but for many of you, because it's a brand new magazine that we just launched this past spring, you might not know about it. It is a quarterly digital publication offering the very best insights from the modern homesteading movement. This is a publication that is for homesteaders, written by homesteaders, no staff writers. It's wisdom from the past, advice for today, as well as hope for tomorrow. Not only will you find articles with, of course, how-tos and tutorials covering different aspects of homesteading, but you're also going to find pieces that really go beyond just the practical into the mindset and into how do you actually homestead for the long haul without burning yourself out, how to pace yourself, and how to deal with so many of the different things that come our way when we are homesteading. So go to homesteadliving.com forward slash Melissa to get your edition. Hey, Pioneers, welcome to episode number 418. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about preparedness, specifically about bug out bags. Now, you might be thinking, I'm not sure what that is, or maybe you've heard that term before. And you may be thinking with a homesteading channel, like, really? But it's really important to talk out bug out bags. We're going to kind of dive into like, what does that mean? What should actually be in there, et cetera, with today's guest. But this is actually a really important topic that I don't see addressed a ton in homesteading subject matter that we put out there. However, in my own life, we deal with in, especially the fall, maybe a little bit of winter, not so much spring and summer, we have flooding. And We don't ever have to evacuate. However, just down the road from us where it's at a lower and closer to the river level, there have been really high floods where people do have to evacuate and leave. And in fact, uh, two years ago, we normally will watch the predictions and there's different meters along our river. And you can watch those that say like when it's predicted to reach specific stages, et cetera. But sometimes those models are off. And that happened a couple of years ago where the timing of when it was supposed to reach this flood stage in these different stages was vastly off. And unfortunately, those levels rose very, very quickly while it was dark in the middle of a night. And so you had people who were um, getting stranded and and were calling for help or having to, to leave immediately because the river and the water had risen so fast that they didn't have time to prepare um, ahead of time. And because they thought that they had more time. 
Then we have the flip side, which a lot of folks, especially in the West part of the United States have been experiencing, and that is more and more wildfires, uh, larger fires, et cetera. And so that's been something, uh, we've had different forest fires around us throughout my time growing up here. I've always lived in the same, on the same road actually in the Pacific Northwest. And so there's been some bigger fires that were near us, but not to the degree that they have been the past three, I'd say probably like three to four years. Uh, we've had some fires that have been really fairly close to us, um, some that we've just had a lot of smoke from. But any, it's the same thing for us, like with wildfire danger, that's another factor where you might not always have time to plan and they can happen very fast and they can move very quickly in the right conditions. And you need to be ready whether you're home or not. So that's all the things that we're going to be diving into in today's episode. It's a really good one. I There was some homework you'll see where I had some aha moments where I needed to do some things differently, but I think you're going to find a lot of value in it. Um, no, kind of no matter where you're at, it's definitely one to think about and then take action on as well. And today's podcast episode is sponsored by American Blossom Linens. Now, in the context of today's episode and what I've prefaced, we definitely are talking about being prepared for some things that may happen in the future and to be at the ready. But I tell you, there's very little that is important to our overall health and our ability to react to things as a good night's sleep and having American Blossom sheets. I have been loving these. They definitely, um, I feel improve the quality of sleep. What's interesting is when I got my first sheet set, oh gosh, I think I'm going on like two years now with my set. Um, I got this set and I figured I saved some of my other sheet sets because I, you know, you take one set off and wash them and dry them and put the other one on and you alternate back and forth. But I feel like the sleep comfort that I get on these sheets, like they are truly very comfortable and they do get better every time you wash them, even though they're phenomenal from the get go. I find myself, I take them off and I wash them and dry them and then I put them right back on. I wait for that to get laundried and put back on the bed. I don't even put the other sheet sets on. In fact, I need to just find a way to repurpose some of those other sheet sets because they've been sitting in my linen closet literally for two years and I've not used them once I because I do love my American Blossom linen sheets so good. So if you have never tried them or are looking to get a set, they are made in the USA. Um, and I love that they actually have their manufacturing is done in the USA as well as the cotton that they use for the sheets are also purchased and grown here in the US, which is a, a really phenomenal deal. Like we don't get to see that sadly very much anymore, but to see a company that not only is sourcing its materials from inside the US, but also doing their manufacturing inside the US, I love to support companies like that, as well as companies that make an heirloom quality product that is not ripping out or wearing through and I'm having to replace often that are truly more that heirloom type quality. So use code pioneering today 20 and get 20% off from our sponsor American Blossom Linens. And now on to our episode with Jeff from Warrior Life. Well, hey, Jeff, welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. Yay, I'm here. <laughs> Let's do it. Hey, hey, yeah, super excited to have you on. So from your bio, it says that you did service overseas and combat missions, and that gave you a firsthand glance of what true emergency situations could look like for citizens. Because I have to say, thankfully, 
you know, for most of us living in the U.S., haven't really seen that, um, obviously, to the degree that you have in serving. And so if you can kind of just kind of share with like what a little bit of that experience was like for you and how that led you to create the warrior life and what you're doing now. Well, that, that's a big question. Okay, let me uh, let me start with. Uh, right, so let me tie let me tie them together because I did not like I did not really start out as a survivalist or prepper or however anybody wants to really classify it. And I think really my combat experience helped me in, in the way that it's better to understand the the very very basic pillars of survival. So I mean, think when most people think about like that background and and how I moved into it. Well, it seems kind of natural, right? But it's, you know, it's like you're, you're a soldier and there's, you know, you have missions and you're in collapsed environments and sometimes in remote areas. And so people tie that together with survival. Like, I think that's the movie that plays in a lot of people's heads, but really I didn't even realize that I was learning more about the principles of survival during combat and in my in my service over those years until long long after when i really started to look at my own family's survivability when it comes to natural disasters yes but even like where are we located in relation to where natural disasters can be so i didn't live in a very i didn't live in an urban area or anything like that we did have a i had a flood that came through our town and and just devastated, you know, killed people in our town and took homes and dragged it into the river. We had situations like that, but it was really more like the principles that I, I really uncovered were about what happens to people when resources are low, which goes back to, well, what do you need for basic survival, right? You need security, shelter, food, water, those types of things that we learned about in grade school. And in my, the environment that I was in, in combat, that all that went away. Like it doesn't, and so I think a lot of people don't understand like how, whether it's urban centers or rural centers, like no matter where you live, there has to be supply coming in. There has to be fuel, there has to be food. Most people are dependent upon that system. Uh, people that are maybe more of your audience or homesteaders more in, in being self-reliant have a bit more protection in that area, um, except for the people part of it, which is another aspect, obviously being in the military and being in a combat MOS, people were like my business, but I didn't realize that all the factors that were happening around us at that same time, were really driving home the consequences of the systems that we depend upon when they're not there about what that relies, what that requires us to be at that time. Now we have our you know, I have my squad, I have my team, I have my platoon, I have my, so we have a supporting structure there and there is structure there and we have people with different skills and everybody, like the whole system in the military comes together for a unique purpose. But for a lot of families out there, most families, the vast majority of families, your family is it. Like that's your core, that's your unit, that's your team. And self-reliance then, if you're, you know, it calls into, it calls into play the different things that you're going to need to be able to survive, the different resources you're going to be able to need when everything else gets shut off, the different skills that you're going to need if you don't have a doctor or a medic, you know, in the military, if you don't have somebody that can come and dress a wound and whether that is a two-legged person inflicted wound or whether it is 
somebody just came out of the the water and they were drowning somebody just got into an accident whatever it is like you are your first responder at that moment and i think that's really where i started to tie together all of these things that i took for granted growing up and even in the place where i lived which was relatively rural and understanding just how that can still be affected in ways that um kind of that that sense of security that we have being in a more rural area can can lead us to have but how fragile it can actually be warrior life was really born out of all of that and it's been many years in in the making and it's taken a few different forms along the way but it's really been a kind of a delineation of of really getting down to the core of what it means to be a warrior and for me i want to make that i want to make that that status because i call it more of a status rather than a label because i think most people go buy the t-shirt, they go buy the bumper sticker, they slap it on, they check the box, like I'm a warrior. And then something bad happens, whether it's a natural disaster. Um, there are lots of things that can happen. Everybody kind of realizes that there's there's lots of threats that are out there. But when that happens, you are going to be the only thing that's going to be able to get you through that situation, whether it is a a criminal attack in a parking lot somewhere, the police aren't going to be there. If it's a wildfire that's coming in, there's no helicopter coming in to, to whisk you and your family away from there. It's going to be you, your smarts, your training, your preparedness, and all of those other factors. And that's not that's not the sole property of the tattooed, bearded military contractor coming back from Afghanistan. That's the 87-year-old grandmother who's sitting at home. The wildfire is headed toward her house just as much as it is somebody else's. And so when I really started looking at the, the concepts from the military that I learned that weren't military based, they weren't, in other words, they weren't like, they weren't firearms based, they weren't like attack based, which most people would think about when it comes to the military. It was much, much deeper than that. And it was, it's much more, um, accessible to the average everyday Joe and Jane out there. And that's that's what our whole mission is, is to give the ability for people who wouldn't consider themselves necessarily warriors, but to help them reach warrior ready status is what we call it, where no matter what threat you may face, when you are the only one there that can protect yourself, your family, your property, whatever it is, like that's it. And so how do we make people as, as ready as possible for that in as short a time as possible. And that's where we started really developing the systems that give people the fast track to be able to reach what we call warrior ready status. Okay, well, that was awesome. There's a, a ton that we could um, unpack I there. Told you it was a big question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, but also really good because I think, as you said, it's not just, you know, military or whatnot. It, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the basic humanity. And like, as you were saying, I'm like, yes, like you have to be able to help yourself first and your family, but then also in emergencies. And probably because I do live in such a small community where we don't have our own like police force. So the sheriff does the entire county. So if you, you need to call and have a sheriff come or, or the police come, I mean, you could be looking at a response time from anywhere if he happens to be patrolling up here, say maybe 15 minutes to, you know, maybe an hour just to pay. And that's if there's not other, you know, they're being called everywhere in like a, a full disaster. So 
we already and the same thing with like our fire it's all volunteer fire response um fire department and stuff and my husband's on that and so but seeing that because you you know and so like you know when your neighbor calls or there's you know a call that goes out it's different when it's community that you know and you've had to work together in some of those those types of situations before and so it it really with homesteading that's something else that i really like a lot of times people think of homesteading kind of like you said like that first movie that plays in their mind they think oh like especially if they have like really no relation to it or any context i'm going off grid i'm going to be completely self-sufficient in every way possible and there's elements of that but you're it's truly community sufficiency is the way you're going to actually make it through and thrive long term you know very very few people for especially extended period of time are completely a unit unto themselves long-term. So I actually appreciate that you were kind of, you know, bringing that out in the broader sense. And there's so many layers to, I know your guys' uh, program and, and to becoming, as you're saying, like living this. And so today I thought it would be good to kind of start, like what's one of the first things that you can do? And that is a bug out bag. And I know there's like kind of different, uh, names that people have given those um but what is for your definition like what is an actual bug out bag yeah sure i mean really it's just a mobile survival kit i mean the same thing that well i won't say the same thing because you know fema if you go to fema's website and you go to look at what you should be putting i mean they tell you to put together a survival kit they don't necessarily call it a, a bug out bag but it's just the basic things that you need to be able to get you by a short-term disaster. And so really a bug out bag is just a mobile survival kit. It's just a, typically a backpack. It can be, I mean, you know, you're going to get one when you get to a, a shelter. If you go to a shelter, they're just going to hand you a, a garbage bag. Like I've seen people leaving disaster zones with their belongings in a, in a garbage bag or a, like a whole bunch of of uh, shopping bags from the local grocery store. So it's really just a matter, it's just really just an easier, more convenient way of carrying your basic survival things that you're gonna need if you should have to leave your home. And that's typically what how people look at it. Uh, for me, it goes a little bit deeper than that as far as like what its real purpose is. Uh, it's kind of always been seen as the, kind of like the go-to doomsday prepper, you know, the hallmark pillar of you got to have a bug out bag. Yeah. So it's become, it's become kind of a almost a divisive piece of gear in that you either are a prepper or you're not a prepper. And what defines you oftentimes is the bug out bag. But again, I think a lot of this has really just been romanticized in a way ever since, you know, the walking dead popped up and it's just, it's become survival's become more fantasy driven, I think more than practical. And, but really that's in, in a, in a well, I don't have many short answers as you can see, but like, that's really all it is, is just a mobile survival kit. Yeah, well, and what I like is, when I think of it is you've got it ready so that it can be mobile if you need to, because there are lots of different scenarios where, you know, for example, here where I live on my road, we don't, we have never yet had to leave because of a flood, because we're kind of up on this higher shelf on our property. However, we have people at the end of our road that when the really big floods are coming, um, they do have to evacuate. Or another instance is, especially the past few years, we've had 
quite a bit more wildfires than we used to in this area. And sometimes those move super fast, you know, so it, I think a lot of times when, like, to your point, when people think of bug out bag and maybe even myself until I really sat down and kind of thought about it, that is kind of your first thing is like, oh, it's for, you know, the zombie apocalypse and I'm going to head up into the mountains and survive, but it actually is very practical implications to use it and it is so that it can be mobile so that if you need it in a hurry you can have these essentials and and go but also like sometimes something happened you may just stay at home but it, you've got them all in one place and like ready to go even if they are in this mobile bag and you're not using it mobily you know it might just be something that you're not having to leave your property but you could still use those and you've got all those supplies on hand um which kind of brings me to my next question like I'm assuming it's just terminology, terminology, but maybe not. And that's like, you'll hear people use, as I said, kind of those different terms. So is there really a difference between a go bag and a bug out bag, or it's basically just whatever label you want to put on it, but it's more the supplies that you've got gathered? Yeah. I mean, th that's actually a great question. Maybe not for the same reason though. So, I mean, in short, the a go bag, a bail bag, bug out bag, mobile survival kit, they're all generally the same thing. The one thing I would say that I really stray away from the the norms that are out there and the kind of regurgitated survival information that's been put been put out is this concept of a get home bag. Because a lot of people will carry a like a smaller bag in their vehicle to be able to, you know, if something does happen, if there is a disaster or whatever it is, it's the 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 get home bag is the bag that you allows you, has just enough supplies in it. For you to be able to get from wherever you are at that point back to your home, which is where your bug out bag is. And, and that just, to me, doesn't even make any sense to me. Um, when it comes to a forced evacuation, because I, I think that's another, that's another myth out there is that whenever there's a disaster, the preppers are just going to put on their bug out bag and just go wandering off into the, the zombie apocalypse wasteland with their, you know, machete and, and their, their ninja swords. And, it's really not like that. Most most of the time, your home is going to be the best place for you to be able to withstand any sort of a, a short-term emergency, all the way up to a long-term if you're well-prepared that way. But then there are times where it's not. Um, it could be a natural disaster that's headed your way. If a wildfire is headed your way, your home is no longer the place for you to be. And so you have to evacuate. Now, when that happens, if your bug out bag is back home, then it's not going to do you any good to try and get back home and get there. And all of a sudden you're cut off from a wildfire and now you're trapped. Or if you are um, separated with your family and then everybody has to go back home, if you are going to evacuate, you're just wasting very, very precious time. Anybody that has ever lived in even a suburban environment where if you have to go to work, if you're one of the nine to fivers out there, you know that the difference between getting on the road at, you know, if you have to be work at by nine o'clock, the difference of getting on the road at 8.30 versus 8.35 can make a huge difference in whether or not you're even gonna be at work on time. And so every second counts, especially in a, a forced evacuation, you don't wanna be caught in that virtual parking lot out on the roads trying to get out of town. We've seen enough videos of people trying to escape wildfires and then they're trapped and you can't see. And it's just, it's just jammed for miles. And so you don't want to be that person. So your, your bug out bag actually belongs in your vehicle. And that way you don't have to have a go bag. I mean, I'm sorry, like your, your get home bag to get back to your bug out bag to leave again. And by the time you leave, you're, you've wasted gas, you've wasted time. 
And um, so that's the only thing I would say that there's a lot of discrepancy out, out there about what it, whether you should have a get home bag, what is a get home bag, how is it different than a bug out bag. And to me, there's no such thing as a get home bag. I, I catch a lot of catch a lot of hell for that out there in the industry, but I just nobody's been able to. Uh, I mean, I've, there's news stories that will prove me right. I just nobody's been ever, ever able to prove me wrong on it. But um, but it's all generally the same. The rest of the terminology. Okay. Yeah. Well, and actually, that is a really good point that you bring up because I have now my son, you know, drives and commutes and goes to work and whatnot. And so I've always had in our vehicles, like the life straw so that you have a way to get water in case you, you know, water bottle, whatever you got with you goes out. Um, when I used to work in pharmacy, I had to wear like, you know, dress shoes and stuff. I always had hiking shoes in the back, um, you know, and that type of stuff. But to your point, it was for a very like, you know, short period of time. It wasn't the true out bug out bag. Um, and so you're, you're giving me, I'm, uh, rethinking like, okay, there's some different things that we've got to get stocked in, in the vehicles for everybody, uh, to your point. Um, and when you lay it out like that it makes a lot of sense, but I have to be honest, like I didn't always, I'm like, yeah, what if you, what if you can't get back home and have to survive by what is in your vehicle? Um, and that's something that I think a lot of us just automatically go to, well, I'm going to go home, get my stuff and go, but that doesn't always happen. So really good point. Um, I've got homework already and we're not through, we're <laughs> probably not even halfway through the episode. So this is good. So Jeff, I'm curious, like motivations or maybe just observations that you're seeing, you know, right now and, and even in the, you know, in the past as to why you're seeing more and more people either become aware or are deciding to make bug out bugs or even to kind of bug out bags, excuse me, not bug out bugs, <laughs> bags. Um, but kind of the, the motivation and just kind of this greater of what you're really seeing in, in your space of different people coming um, and even just wanting to know what one is, how to make one, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, from, from what I've seen, it's, there's really been a, there's been more exposure in a lot of different ways. I mean, from all the way from movies to us watching incidents happen on television. I think what really, I think, I think what it's, it's going to be a little bit of, of an odd tangent here, but uh, I think what really made it more popular were movies and, and television shows like the walking dead, the, the very popular series that go out or very popular movies that come out that are related to something catastrophic happening, like widespread catastrophic scenario that made it cool and fun. And it brought in a lot of people that I think really we call it the tactical crowd. Like it became kind of came the, the cool thing to do. Doomsday preppers was a show that was out there did not do, I don't think homesteading or, uh, or survivalists any good whatsoever with who they were like picking for the show, but it's, you know, it was meant there, it was meant to entertain. Right. But I think those gave enough exposure that a couple different things. One, I think people became more educated on the threats that actually are out there because no matter whether it's an entertainment show, you can start to see, well, maybe certain things can happen that can change life as we know it overnight. I think news stories as well have made it very front and center. We've had a lot more natural disasters that have been televised. We've been able to see the response. We've been able to see the response failing, actually. I think Hurricane Katrina was the big one that came in. 
a long time ago. And in New Orleans, it was just an abysmal failure in response. And people that were left on their own weren't able to leave the area. Those that were that stayed behind and were all corralled up in the uh, the Superdome. Horrific stories that came out of there. And that was a government controlled facility. It was there as a central point for people to be able to go and find safety, security and resources. And it was probably one of the worst places to go if you couldn't get out, if you couldn't get out of the area. And so I think there's been enough exposure over the years, both from the, the entertainment side, as well as the, oh, what do we do if this sort of thing happens? Um, I think the, the biggest the biggest myth people have or the, or the the lie that they tell themselves is it, it'll never happen to me. But we've seen we have seen um, Hawaii go up in flames. You know, we've seen wild wildfires that have just devastated small communities, places where you would normally think this is safe. It's secure. You know, we've got the, the local police department and their biggest call is just getting the, the kitten out of the tree. I, I just think there's been so many things that have happened over the years in a number of from a number of different angles that people are it's created the vacuum for oh my what do, what would we do and I think when you start seeing that the government is not going to be able to be there to save you or a local police department can't be de depended upon to be able to save you the fire department the paramedics if it is a catastrophe like that as you as you pointed out earlier. Mm -hmm. It's in a small community. You're not in any community. You're you only have a police force or first responders, medical attention, and things like that for the local population under normal conditions. If it's not normal conditions, and the further out that that affected zone is, it's going to stress the resources for everything. And so I think people are really becoming more educated on it now, and it's created the vacuum for I need to do something. Where do we go for information? The government's even been putting out as well. You know, it's like go to go to FEMA.org and or uh, .gov and then, you know, put together your survival kit. Like they're trying to educate people on doing just the basics to be able to not be a drag on the system and allow first responders and the government to come in and, and support people the right way. But if everybody was supporting themselves even just a little bit, it would make that a lot easier. Yeah, no. And, and that's actually one of the things that I want to talk about because it's kind of like the the blessing and the curse. Like we've got with social media, uh, media where more people can can watch, you know, has more access to watch things via, you know, mobile devices, social media, or just the news, et cetera. You have this wider like awareness of things to, to your point, you know, like even the, the recent fires in Hawaii, you know, like I saw way more of that in my social media feed than I actually did on the regular news. And so on one hand, it can, for those who choose to see things that are happening and make the decision, you know, I kind of look at it as, as, as you know, using wisdom, right? Like this hasn't happened to me yet, but I see that this is happening more and more, it, just even with more severe weather patterns, you know, whatever it might be. So I'm going to take the steps to be prepared before I actually need them, which is obviously what preparedness is. But on the same token, um, if it's an area that maybe you're not as well versed in with social media, you get it's hard to discern what is actually good and true advice, especially with the rise of, you know, AI or just people regurgitating stuff that's never actually been through situations or had training. Um, that's what, you know, having to use discernment there. So 
And I've also seen like you, where you, you go, um, you know, sometimes like with homesteading stuff, like where I'll go and, and see even from, you know, certain, you know, different government agencies or different things. And I'm like, Ooh, that's not exactly right. You know? So for a bug out bag, kind of what is, what would be your essentials? And this, you know, obviously may or may not differ. I haven't actually looked at what FEMA's website says specifically, but if you're going to create this kind of what is like, this is what you actually need in order to be serviceable to you um, in your bug out bag. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it really comes down to the basics of survival, the th same things we learned about in grade school, right? Like you need shelter, food, water. We also add in their security because those are things, you know, we don't, necessarily teach those the kindergartners that you need security, but it's like, you, you just need to be able to, if you considered that you were away from your home and that resources are, are stressed, that you're not going to have access to all the things that we take for granted when we're in our home, like our shelter, like our food, like water, things like that, then you really, you're going to have to replace those to be able to stay alive. And so that's really all it comes down to. I think people really overcomplicate the like what should go in the basics? I'm, and I'm really talking about like the basics for people. Um, I think that personally, I feel like the basics aren't really enough, but I think that when people try to stray away from, I think you have to get the core concepts first. And then I think after that is where you find a lot of like the fantasy prepper stuff going on out there and you need this gear and you need that gear. And and like you, when I, when I go out there and find stuff, because I've been in situations where it's been in collapsed environments or we've had to survive out on our own. And I see the information that's being put out there. It's just very, um, it's like, no, like that's not, that's, that's bad advice. The, so the, when you look at the basis of it, like shelter really isn't that difficult. And I, and this is another thing I, I think that people really, like we just did a, for our, we did a workshop for our, our warrior ready, our warrior ready members. And we talked about, shelters right and people think well do you need a bunker do you, you know do you need another homestead somewhere else do you need a cabin somewhere do i need to go buy land well you have your home and if you don't have your home and you're forced to evacuate you have your vehicle if you don't have your vehicle anymore and you have to continue to go that's where you're going to need some other form of, of shelter of some kind possibly even if that's if the elements are 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 bad and you're going to have to you know you're going to be out there in in the rain or if it's cold out or anything like that outside of that we're looking at water uh food and for water i tell people you don't what you need is to become your own water factory so it's not about storing enough water in your bug out bag or in your vehicle you need to be able to produce water or or make water drinkable as you are evacuating that's whether you're in your vehicle or whether you are somewhere else now obviously if you're in your vehicle you have the ability to carry lots of water with you that's perfectly fine but you have to have some sort of a backup plan like we always had contingency plans in the military and tell people it's like that's really kind of it's a basic preparedness planning uh principle is really you have to have some sort of a backup especially when you're talking about life-saving resources like water and food and things like that so you need a way to be able to purify water. And I, I don't recommend something like, uh, you know, having like iodine tablets, they can purify water. You can boil water. There are different filters that are out there. But for me, it's like if, if I'm trying to get to from point A to point B and I need water, I don't want to like survival straws 
as, as you pointed out, are a very common thing that are out there, which are good when you're there at water and you can drink through it, but you're going to still have to carry water some somehow. And so what we tell people is like to have a, a water bladder inside of your bug out bag. Uh, we carry a three liter water bladder with us and, and inside of our, our bug out bag and then have an inline water hose that comes out of the bag and you can just drink on it at will. Now, the benefit of this is that you can just, no matter where you see water, you can just stop, scoop it up inside of this bladder. And it doesn't matter if it's from a duck pond or whatever it is, like the inline filter where the, where the line is, is going to filter all of that out. So what I tell people is you don't need like water on the spot. You need water. You need to be able to manufacture water along the way anytime that you can get access to it. With food, I always tell people it doesn't matter. Again, so if you have your vehicle, you can throw a ton of different food in there. But if you're forced away from your vehicle, now you've got to have something that's going to be light enough to be able to carry for a longer, a longer stretch. There's a lot of different options for that. But if people are just grabbing things like canned goods and stuff like that and putting it inside of their rug out bag, it's going to like, that's going to get heavy. And ounces are going to feel like pounds and pounds are going to feel like pain once you are, are starting to walk with that stuff. So tell people go super lightweight. Um, I think it's really powerful for the homesteaders that are growing their own food to have a way to be able to preserve that. I recommend if you can, if you can do it, like I have a, a freeze dryer. I, this year we, or last year we invested in a freeze dryer. Yeah. And I'll tell you, this thing has been amazing. And if you're looking for things to do with the leftover uh, produce from the garden, like that's where it goes. And that makes it super light. You can carry it with you. You put some water in it and all of a sudden you've, you've got your, your food again. So freeze dried is definitely the way to go. I think, this is another area where I think people tend to look at when they look at bug out bags as the prepper sort of thing, they're putting MREs in there because a lot of, a lot of preppers want to, they want to look like and, and act like and talk like and dress up like and carry gear like they're a soldier, which even in the military, we didn't, you know, we didn't like carrying MREs with us. We carried a lot of different food with us because we had to carry that stuff. And things like MREs can be heavy. They're not, they don't last as long as far as like shelf life. So I, 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 but if you cover those areas, like if you just have your bag, you have something you can use for shelter. And for that, all you really need is a, um, in the military, we just used a poncho. Like we had, we had shelters, we had shelters to put up at when we were out in the field, but nobody ever used them. We just used a poncho and a couple bungee cords because it was fast up, it was fast down. It's not like you have to put a tent up or take a tent down. So that was all we ever used. Um, same thing. I mean, I mean, technology has gotten so much better now. Uh, instead of having a butt, instead of having a, a sleeping bag, I just use a tiny little uh, mylar sleeping bag as a survival bag, and I've used that thing for when I was doing scouts with my sons. It's like ten days out there uh, scouting. So things have gotten very light now, very compact. Technology has allowed us to be able to do more with less. And uh, but the shelter, food, water, security is going to be an area that. I think people can, they're either going to be, well, one I would say is your best security is not to be looked at as a resource for somebody else where you're going to need security. So try to avoid problems as best you can. And then if you can't, you just, you need some way to be able to defend yourself. Now that might mean handing over all of your stuff. If somebody really has no means 
to be able to protect themselves and their family, but that's not a good place to be in. So I definitely, you know, it's really up to somebody's own, like how far they're willing to go with protect. Do they want to own a firearm? Do they, they want to train with a firearm? You do, um, and I tell people like, you don't need an AR 15 or a 50 caliber Gatlin machine gun. You just need very basic things that'll help you get out of situations because most of the time it's going to be confrontations. People are going to be stressed. They're going to be afraid. They might've just lost everything. They might've lost a family member. So tensions are going to be high in these types of stressed environments. All you might need is just some pepper spray. If you get into an argument with somebody and starting to get out of hand, that might be all you need. But I think people tend to always go with at like the extremes, either, no, 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 I'm not into weapons or where's my AR-15? I got to go walking down Main Street with this thing dressed up like I'm, I'm going off into the zombie apocalypse. Um, so hopefully that gives you some areas to be able to start putting together just the basics. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, do you have anything that you see that people like just commonly forget to pack in their bug out bags? I think it's more of they're they're packing too much in their bug out bags. First of all, okay. uh, it's because they've never really had to carry it around. So I think there's a there's a lot of gear. I mean, I and I do these reviews a lot. Like people will send me, hey, here's a picture of my gear. What what should I do? Like, what should I add? What should I take away? And I'll see things like they've got a large survival knife, and they have a an axe, and they have a machete. And it's like, you don't need all of those things. Like one thing can take care of all of that. Uh, so I, I see them carry, you know, putting too much in there. And when you go to put it on and you realize you might be able to carry it right there, but half a mile down the road, a mile down the road, it starts getting heavier on your shoulders or heavier on your body. And then all of a sudden stuff's got to start coming out of there. What are you going to take out? Um, so people really have to, they really have to test their own, their own package there. So there's a lot of stuff that, so as far as like forgetting to put in there, it's easy to add more things. I think if you cover those areas, if you say, yep, this is the lightest shelter I can pack and have inside of my bag. This is the lightest food I can carry for, for 72 hours. Um, put those things in first and then start building on top of that. So I would say that if I were to pick one thing that was like a pillar of security that I think a lot of people don't pay enough attention to, is probably communication because if you are going to leave, um, if you're going to be forced to evacuate your home, it's better to leave if you have, to, if you're like a two car family as you and your, and your spouse, most people are just gonna pile all into one car and they're gonna take off, but it's better actually to go into, take both vehicles and leave from there, but you need communication from there as well. So if you do get separated, now whether that's, you're all in one vehicle, you get to the next destination, and you're going to go out looking for supplies somewhere if cell towers are down either because the power is out or just not good reception in the area and somebody out is out and about and they're not back in the time that you thought they'd get back well where are they now are somebody else going to go out looking for them i mean in the military anytime that we were on the way to the mission it doesn't matter where it is if, you, if your unit's on the move every time that you stop the two things that you do, the very first two things that you do are set up a perimeter for security and establish communication because you might need backup. You might get split up. You just need to make sure that you've got communication with headquarters back there so that if you do meet the enemy, you can call in backup. You can call in other sources of backup, whether it's air support or another unit coming in to help you out or vehicles. But the same thing applies to a survival scenario. 
So I think communication is one of those areas that it doesn't have to be like, you don't need a um, ham radio license or anything like that. We just have two-way radios with with good reception on them. Like they, they have good distance on them. We've tested them out to see how far we can go. But now if we're in our vehicles and we are evacuating and we get separated, like I get stopped by the police and maybe my, my spouse is up ahead of me. Well, now how are we going to get back together so that we can make sure that we're going to reach our destination together. Um, that's where a lot of planning comes in ahead of time. That that certainly helps. But also having that communication is going to take away a lot of um, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety with not being able to know where your spouse is, your kids are. And I think that that's, that's one area that are, is easy to fill in, but people don't really consider it very much because I think because they're tied to their phones all the time and just figure we're going to have those available. Yeah. Well, it, and that's a great point because like where we live, there's big sections that there is no cell service. So you can have your cell phone, but it doesn't, it's not going to do you any good. Whereas to your point, if you have, you know, radios, walkie talkies, um, that'll go at least a few miles in distance, then where cell service doesn't go or in big power outages here, there is a generator and battery on the cell phone tower but it only lasts for so long. So usually if the power is out for more than like four hours, then our cell towers go down and you can't get your cell phones again. They're useless, even though you're in an area that normally has service. So I think that, yeah, the communication thing is is really key. And just assume your cell phone's not going to work and, and moving on to something else and having that. Um, so to that is point almost the opposite of that then is there anything that you're like do not put this in your bug out bag um beyond kind of we talked about weight and like having too much yeah i mean the they're they're all related to that though like really i think the the biggest mistakes that i see people make when they're putting together their their survival kit is you know one is um putting in a tent don't put in a tent putting in a, a like a sleeping bag you don't need a sleeping bag those uh, putting in water, like like thinking that you have to have just stored water and that's the only thing that you have and you have no way to be able to, on the run, be able to purify water is another big problem. When we were, uh, when I was in the military, I mean, we were, I was in, with light infantry and so we did a lot of road marching, a lot of like carrying our backpack and our weapon, communication gear, everything with us. It's all on foot. Every year we would do a hundred mile road march just to be able to say that we did and it was just, you know, but during that time, like we would do hundred miles in four days, which is grueling when you're carrying something like grueling. And we averaged five gallons of water per day per person. Now that's not with cooking. That's not with like, you know, we didn't shower or things like that. It was really just, you're walking, you're sweating so much that you're losing, you're losing a lot of, uh, of your, of your body's uh, hydration. You're losing a lot of electrolytes also. So, uh, I would say that the things that don't put in there are just stored water, like bring something that you can just manufacture water, clean water along the way. Uh, definitely shelter, definitely the sleeping bag. Uh, those are the biggest things that I see people putting in there. And then food wise is just making sure that you have something, like most people will put in a lot of people that are that consider themselves like preppers. I would say probably a good 50% of them are packed up with MREs because the because the, the military uses them, and like I said, it's not that's not the type of food that you want to put in there. So I, I think the biggest mistakes that I see are the ones that that are the core survival principles that you should be covering, and they're just covering them wrong. <clears throat>
Okay. That's, that's a great point. It also is actually making me think uh, when stress and losing that much water is I have these little electrolyte packets um, that have, you know, your central electrolytes and then also good quality salt in there. And like, that would be, you know, they're a little lightweight to throw in there as well. Um, yeah. They're one of those things I just kind of keep on hand <laughs> everywhere throughout the homestead. Um, well, and the so, other thing too, Melissa, just because I think this is important because we have dependence too, because I think a lot of but people that are prepping themselves, I mean, I think probably the number one question I get is like, how do I get my spouse to come along with me? Not come along like we're forced to evacuate, but like, how do I get them to prepare and see this as a necessity the way that I do? And so I think ultimately my, you can't force somebody to really kind of think a certain way. So I tell people like, you might just have to just prepare for everybody else. Now that includes things like kids. So when we talk about, children, do they want to drink water? Well, maybe not, but if you put some of that electrolyte powder in there, then all of a sudden it's like Kool-Aid now, right? So it's a way you can keep the kids hydrated and um, keep them from getting headaches, keep them with the electrolytes to be able to deal with stress better. So you've really got to look at this as more of a holistic approach to it and look at your family as part of your team, regardless of whether they consider themselves part of your team. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And there's like so much more. I mean, we've already been on here for a long time to dive into the nitty gritty. So Jeff has a training. We will put the link um, beneath this video for those of you who are hanging out with us on YouTube. And then we'll put it in the show notes as well as the blog post that accompanies this episode uh, because there's, there's there's so many more facets like size of bag and how do you plan for multiple people, right? Like of everything. So there's a lot more that goes into this and Jeff has an awesome uh, training that you guys can go through for free. So we'll put the link up to that. Um, so for those of you who are interested in diving in further can do that. So Jeff, th thank you so much for coming on. This was um, a it's I I'm not sure of the word fun conversation though I did have fun but just some of you know sometimes there's those topics that we just need to talk about and think about um and to make sure that we are being prepared and giving you know good thought to these items so thank you for hanging out with us today and besides signing up for that free class which I highly recommend um where's the other best spot for people to connect with you and and where your life and kind of go deeper deeper and finding out more about what you do and and how you help people yeah, sure. I mean, our website is warriorlife.com and we have a free part of our website we call the Loot Locker, which has all their resources in there as well. Um, has all of our podcast cheat sheets that are in there. Um, so there's a lot of free information there for people to be able to tap into. And uh, we do have another another program for people that are looking for more of like a um, a predict like a a structured method for being able to go through and become progressively more and more prepared as they're as they're going along and tell you know because i do find that people really need more guidance there's a lot of misinformation out there there's a lot of you know, people are always asking like who do i i don't know who to trust there's so much information one person says to do it this way another says to do it that way and we have an, a a network of about 125 instructors now you're on the panel too melissa because we have people that really care about homesteading and they're they're trying to prepare their their home to be able to stay there it's not just about throwing on your bug out bag and heading off into the wasteland. So it's um, so we have a number of different resources that are there for people and um, experts in a lot of different fields. Cause that's what I look for. It's like, I'm on the journey of learning myself. Like I'm learning from you. Like I've, I've, I've been to your training and uh, I've just 
we're growing ginger now. Like I just started my mini homestead. And so we're putting all of these things together, but it's an area that I'm pretty much clueless in. And so I'm just constantly looking for ways that I can be better prepared, be more warrior ready for myself and my family. And um, so we have a whole network of instructors that have a vast variety of experiences. And that's what we look to do is just draw off of everybody's experience. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing all of this. Um, I look forward to having you on again and, you know, chatting and learning from one another. So thanks so much, Jeff. Thanks, Melissa. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And if you want to go further into learning from Jeff, which I highly recommend, then you're going to want to click the link to sign up for the free class that he has. It's a one hour training about preparedness and bug out bugs to help you create that further for your family and have peace of mind. And that is in the video description. If you are catching this podcast episode on YouTube, or we'll have it and the blog post that accompanies this at melissacanoris.com forward slash 418. That's just numerical um, 418. I think I actually, did I do nine? I did. So 418, don't pay attention to my hands if you're watching this in video format. Um, and that, because this is episode number 418, so almost forward slash 418. And we will have links to all of those different things, including the free class. It's an hour long masterclass that I highly recommend you check out and watch. So today's verse of the week is Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. And that is, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. And Proverbs is obviously a wonderful book in the Bible. It has a ton of wisdom in it. But this is one that I feel is very fitting to our topic today. And also a reminder it's interesting when you, you know, share things in a public manner. Obviously, I, I do videos, I do podcast episodes, I do blog posts, you know, I, um, and it's to be expected that you're going to get back and hear a lot of different feedback and a lot of opinions when you put yourself out there in a public manner. Like it just kind of goes with the territory. But I always find it interesting when we do talk about the, the subject of preparedness um, and maybe it's stocking up your pantry, uh, just different things like that, being prepared, that some people will automatically fire back like, how dare you do fear mongering? But what I find interesting is it's not from a place of fear. Like I am not operating from a place of fear when my dad is a, a little girl growing up, I was raised in an environment where you did have a stocked pantry and you did raise your own food, but it wasn't because you were fearful. Obviously it was the opposite because you're doing those things. There was no need to be fearful. So it, it's actually from an opposite place of fear, but I always find it really interesting uh, that, that some people will automatically think that and refuse to even have a conversation around these types of topics because they don't want to have anything to do with that type of, of fear mongering when that's not what it is. And, and I do understand, yes, there are ways that some of information along these lines can be presented in that manner. And there definitely are people who do seem to push more from a, um, I guess, a fear based. So I, I get that, but it is that's never my intention. It's never a place where I am moving from. And I hope that you aren't either. But on the other hand, which is where this Bible verse comes in, 
I consider it a, a way to be wise. And so by planning ahead and having things in place and a plan instead of leaving it to last minute chance, I think is following the wisdom in this verse and is moving in from a place and working in a place of wisdom um, versus not. So I hope that you enjoyed today's episode and I look back forward to being back here with you next week. Again, our sponsor for this week's podcast was American Blossom Linens. You can go and check them out and use code PioneeringToday20 to get 20% off your order. And I will be back here with you next week. Blessings and mason jars for now, my friends. <laughs>